What's the crack? I'm Brona. And I'm Baby. We enjoy listening to people tell their stories. And hearing their different perspectives. Which is why we started this podcast. In today's episode, we speak with Derek Walsh of Derek Walsh Consultancy, a business and pharmaceutical consultancy. Derek has done a lot of research into medical cannabis and CBD and will be sharing his insights today with us. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? So, uh, Derek, can you tell us a bit about yourself? So, uh, Derek Walsh is my name. My background is in pharmaceuticals, 20 plus years from engineering and maintenance. I'd be also a uh, SME uh, for regulatory audits, and I'm also a business and innovation consultant uh, at the moment. So, you know, I'm running my own businesses there for the last good few years. I had previous businesses as, uh, you know, pharmaceutical engineering services. Now for the last number of years, I'm, I'm back kind of doing business consultancy with a focus on innovation and innovative products. And uh, I'm also extremely interested in researching the benefits of cannabinoids and medicinal cannabis. I started researching about five years ago. I was funded by the Irish government there for a while to do some research. But um, unfortunately, at the time, then they pulled all funding for all cannabinoid research uh, and businesses. That was including non-THC products, just CBD. But, uh, you know, I kept on going and I'm still at it. Brilliant. And so from your own kind of pharmaceutical knowledge and from the research you've done what would be your opinion on cbd i know it's kind of a loaded question <laughs> no, look it is and it isn't okay i suppose my experience and my perspective on medicinal cannabis on cbd and on plant medicines would probably differ from the vast majority of pharmaceutical professionals I really think that there's huge benefits to plant medicine. It's natural health, you know, has been with us for millennia. Our current reliance on chemicals is relatively new in our history, you know, a couple of hundred years. I think we have lost touch with nature. I think we have lots touch with our source. And, uh, you know, I, I think really for our benefit, we need to get back to that. We need to reduce the reliance on opiates and on chemicals, uh, you know, synthetic chemicals, and uh, really focus in on what nature has given us and plant medicines that have been used throughout history. And have a look at those again, put more funding into researching those, put more emphasis on those for our health and for our natural health. I'm an advocate of CBD. I'm an advocate of medicinal cannabis. I've researched heavily and we're not talking about hearsay. We're not talking about stories from one person to the other. We're talking about clinical research here. You know, we're talking about scientific research and the evidence is there. Go into Google Scholar if you want to see the therapeutic benefits of cannabinoids and it's there and the research is there. I'm not taking it from just a holistic point of view where, yeah, you know, I heard it's great. I've done the research. The research has been done and the research backs it. That's brilliant. I actually, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that going back to like home remedies and things like that would be quite better sometimes than just relying on medicine. Do you think that perhaps there's a lot of companies now that are kind of jumping on the CBD bandwagon and using cannabis as a way to appeal to more people? Like, for example, you can see CBD or like the marijuana plant in many shampoos and even makeup and other things like that. I do believe that cannabinoids do have benefits, you know, for our skin. It's not a problem for me. They have benefits for our hair. I'm okay there. But uh, yeah, I do unfortunately think that some companies are definitely jumping on, on the bandwagon. They see a quick buck to be made. They think it's, you know, it's easy money. Now that will, I suppose, hinder the development of the industry. And it will also give an image that the industry doesn't need and doesn't want, particularly when we're coming from the background that we're coming from, where it has been an illicit substance for the last hundred years or so, becoming mainstream again. So you, you really need all the help you can get to ensure that it gets the reach that it deserves. So I do think that some companies are jumping 
jumping on the bandwagon. Absolutely. I do think it is a problem for the industry. You know, it's not just an Irish problem. It's a global problem. I do consultancy with companies in Canada and the US. And it's a problem no matter where we go. And it's a problem no matter, you know, who we speak to. I do think that a way to address that is really in the standard way that, you know, we introduce standards, we introduce quality standards, and that will, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. And, and that will make sure that the people who are jumping on this bandwagon will do it the right way and with patient safety and with product efficacy at the heart of what they do. Are the majority of them doing that now? It's hard to tell. I certainly know a lot of them are. There's some great companies uh, here in Ireland and they are producing quality product. Like every industry, there, there's others that are not. It's the same in pharmaceuticals. It's the same in any service industry. There's good mechanics, there's bad mechanics. But, you know, for this industry, we, we need to ensure that patient quality is at the core and that uh, product quality is at the core. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like, sometimes these products are a bit kind of laughable in a way because it's like CBD-infused socks or, like, <laughs> CBD-infused gym wear or something. But at the same time, there will be people who will buy those products and not realise that it is kind of gimmicky, you know, at the same time. I think it will be a while before that levels off and, you know, we get to a stage where the reality is that capsules that, you know, some infused products are good and that others are not. I think it is human nature in any new industry for people to jump on, to be innovative, to have a look at marketing in a different way, have different strategies and to say, well, actually, you know what, if we put CBD on the label now, it's going to sell. I do think it's human nature. I think we have to understand it and expect it. But I do think over time, when the population become more educated on what it can do and what it can't do, that will become a thing of the past, hopefully. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I just wondered this because I mentioned to you before, like one of my clients is a marketing company for CBD brands and stuff like this. So I kind of know that, yeah. you know, CBD companies, they can't make medical claims. Like they can't say like, this will help your anxiety or whatever but like what is the actual reason for that I mean is it just down to the fact that there is limited research on the topic there's a couple of areas there that feed into that I suppose one is that you know CBD is a food supplement if it wasn't it would be a medicinal product if it was a medicinal product then you're facing into a whole host of I suppose other roadblocks to get the product out the market it's going to be very expensive you're going to need to do clinical trials with I suppose pharmaceuticals in the industry a pharmaceutical is deemed unsafe almost proven safe whereas with a food supplement it's deemed safe almost proven unsafe you're regulated by different authorities so you know it's the FSAI that kind of regulates the food supplement production in Ireland where it's the HPRA that regulates the medicinal product. If we want to start a company and we have a CBD product and you know we're after testing ourselves, we're after testing on our friends, it's not good enough because that's not a big enough population to test a product that somebody's ingesting and that we're saying you know it can help with your anxiety. So in-depth clinical trials need to take place in order to ensure that the efficacy is right, that the potency is right, that the replicability is right because it's no good somebody picking up some CBD anxiety capsules taking them now and, and in a month's time they go back for the resupply and the efficacy isn't the same the potency isn't the same the standards where you know it has been made aren't the same so there's a lot of standardization there's a lot of replicability that need to be built in when you're manufacturing you know a health product it's very very expensive and until there's more clinical research done to say that the benefits are there to help them, it will stay as a food supplement, which is good for the industry because, you know, it means that a quality producer who's a local farmer 
who has good FSAI quality extraction facilities and manufacturing facilities, that they can get onto the market with a great product, a minimal cost. So they're not going through clinical trials and they're not going through the expense of all the tests that need to be performed and the quality management systems that need to be in place before you can place a medicinal product on the market. But, you know, having said that, we, we do have big companies like GW Pharma in the UK, like Bedrican in the Netherlands, like Tilray in Canada, who are putting CBD products on, onto the market after doing the testing, after doing the clinical trials and, you know, having all their quality management systems in place. So they can make the medical claims because they're after doing the testing. GW Pharma have uh, Satifex and Podilex. They have those products on the market, uh, you know, but they, they were doing clinical trials and, and research back in 2013. They have put the groundwork in and it allows them to do that. It can be done. It's very, very expensive. But I think for the moment, the status of CBD as a food supplement is helping the industry. Obviously, people in the industry would say, well, you know, that the harm that's there is that we can't make medical claims. But the flip side of that is that, well, if you want it, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, no, definitely. Just on that note, in terms of research and stuff, like I've done a bit of my own research when I've mm. been writing articles and stuff on these supposed benefits. Yeah. And I see a lot of the research is on animals, which like I get because, you know, a lot of research is done on animals in general but i suppose i'm just wondering like yeah what it, like how does that prove that it's effective for a human <laughs> you know they're still different a lot of pharmaceuticals are tested on animals you have tests on mice and rats and, and labs and all that kind of stuff before you bring it to um to a human trial that's how things you know have been done because the systems are, are very very similar if you take cannabis and if you take uh, cannabinoids we all and, and mammals and you know countless other entities have endocannabinoid systems now the endocannabinoid system is a bit of a mystery to a lot of doctors because it's not taught in medical school uh, as of yet but uh, we all have endocannabinoid systems where we produce cannabinoids naturally within our bodies and these cannabinoids help regulate our immune system and different systems within our body we do have the systems built in and naturally within us that can take the cannabinoids use them to i suppose a therapeutic benefit within our bodies and that's naturally occurring within us in order to really explore that it is going to take a lot of money it is going to take a lot of trials but those trials are being done and those trials have been done and those trials have been very successful i suppose why we do with animals first is because of the similarity of the systems and because they also have endocannabinoid systems. We can take the results from those. You're not going to like implant them exactly in a human, but it gives a great indicator as to the effect and benefits of it. And so in regards to this research, what would you say are the long-term and short-term effects of using CBD products? I suppose with all medicines, we see the, the side effect warnings. Now, to me, you know, some of the side effect warnings of opiates and, and the likes, it's it's shocking. It's horrific. You know, the opiate crisis has shown that and it's ongoing and it's only getting worse. With CBD and with cannabis, basically you can't overdose. Obviously, everything carry some sort of risk it depends on how you use it and it depends on how much you use cbd is extremely well tolerated in our systems we have the endocannabinoid system that can regulate our, our intake if we have too much we just get rid of it it's likening i suppose to go and filling up your car with petrol if your car can only take you know 50 euros of fuel well if you put in 100 it's just going to pour out and, and that's kind of how our systems regulate our intake of cbd and cannabinoids i suppose some of the side effects that have been reported will be dry mouth reduced appetite drowsiness fatigue depending on what you take but these are very small incidents of that but if you compare that with the side effects of opiates you know they're incomparable the who deem a toxic dose of cbd to be around twenty thousand milligrams 
which would equate to around 200 bottles of tincture oil of that strength. But that would be ingesting 200 bottles at once. And that dose still isn't deemed a lethal dose. It's just deemed a toxic dose. So it's extremely safe. I suppose some of the kickback that has come is with products that do contain THC. But, you know, THC is the compound that gives the high. And of course, the side effects to that. But again, it depending on how much you take, it depends on how regular you take it. Um, it depends on the potency, it depends on the source, it depends on all of that. But as for CBD, the side effects are measurable, really. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, there's a lot of regulations when it comes to CBD products and they kind of change country to country. Like most of the brands yeah. that I would write for are from the UK. So usually what we're saying is the THC levels are like 0.2 or something like that and that they have yeah. to do their third party testing. They have to have their yeah. COA up and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. I suppose when there are regulations like that in place, it's probably all right when it's just sold in stores, but online is probably a different story. So I suppose, do you think they're actually being adhered to? It's hard to say it's how long is a piece of string. It really goes back to who the producer is. I would say that the vast majority of producers in Ireland do adhere to the standards. Absolutely. Now, if you're going online, my recommendation would be to ensure that you're going from a source with a lot of reviews on their pages, maybe some recommendations from people that you know, but definitely research, research, research. The problem with buying online is that you really don't know what kind of quality systems are, what kind of facilities that these are coming from. I saw some terrible videos online in Asian countries where the extract is taking place in a garage or guys smoking by it. I know that that won't go on in Ireland. The FSAI, you know, oversee that. And I do know that most of the guys in Ireland, they do have a care for their clients. They do have a love for their product. Again, they're skinning the game because they don't want any adverse publicity for their product, obviously, because that's going to kill their business. So for me, for people in Ireland, you know what? Stick to your local supplier, stick to your local source, stick to people that you know, uh, research and, you know, ensure that the guys are, are following the FSAI standards, that they have their C of A's and that they're doing it right. Do you know the way they do that with other industries, like the regular everybody would come and check that everything is right every so often? Do they do that? Oh, absolutely. You can see kind of every week that the FSAI closed down restaurants, they closed down takeaways, they closed down, you know, shops because they're not adhering to the standards. And absolutely, the FSAI can just rock up and knock on your door and say, OK, give me a look at your production facilities here. You know, they can audit you, they can make sure that you're doing everything right. Then with your CFAs, that ensures that everything that you're saying that is in the product is in the product and there's nothing else. There's no heavy metals, there's no pesticides and that the product is of the quality that you're claiming. But yeah, so certainly those standards are there. Well, that's great to know because we actually weren't sure if it was actually being looked into as much as it is. And if somebody is actually looking to purchase CBD products, what should they look out for, especially if it's their very first time? Go to a source that have a good reputation, you know, ask around, ask friends, certainly look at reviews online for people in Ireland. I would say stick to Irish producers. You know, obviously your reach is, is large, so people in the UK will be doing the same. Uh, people across Europe and, and the US will be doing the same. But my recommendation is stay local. There's a shop in Waterford, there's a shop in Cork, there's, you know, shops around the country. So go to them, speak to them, ask them questions online. But, you know, you have to do your own research. You have to know kind of what potency you want, what percentage CBD you want, what you're using it for. We all have to be a little bit self-taught in this and we can't just leave the responsibility up to others. 
unfortunately, how we've gone is, you know, we don't feel well. We go to the doctor. The doctor gives us a prescription. We go out, we get it, and we don't want to actually think anything about that. And we ingest it, and we assume that it's, it's going to do us good. I think with new products on the market, and, and even with pharmaceutical products, I think we have to take a little bit more self-responsibility, and we have to research what we're putting into our bodies. I would say that wholeheartedly for prescription drugs, especially. But, you know, anything that you're ingesting for a health reason, ensure that you do your own research. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, I know CBD is more popular these days. So people probably know what CBD is. As mentioned before, it is a bit of a bandwagon. We're seeing it everywhere. But I suppose you mentioned earlier about medical cannabis. Like the only difference I can imagine is probably THC levels. But what's the real difference between CBD and medical cannabis? Medical cannabis contains a certain level of THC and a certain strain of cannabis. Again, there is GW Pharma in the UK. Their product is, uh, I suppose, a very purified CBD, so it doesn't actually contain any THC whatsoever. And that's a medicinal product. They went through the clinical trials for that. So, you know, it is possible to have both. But I suppose the main difference is that the medicinal cannabis has gone through trials. The producers do have quality management systems in place and every batch is replicable. There's standardizations, there's SOPs in what they do. And it does contain a higher level and higher potency of THC, which is obviously the psychoactive compound, but taken correctly, you know, you don't get the effect of that research is showing that a cbd tac combination has more therapeutic benefits than just cbd on its own yeah and uh, coming from your own pharmaceutical background and the knowledge that you have on this do you think that cannabis should be legalized for medical purposes or perhaps even for recreational as well definitely for medical 100 percent. the proof is there people need to have a choice i've done a lot of research into therapeutic benefits of cannabinoids for uh, alzheimer patients the evidence is there the side effects are not there i deal a lot with the guys in the us and every week that we get on our calls there's a new green state which is fantastic to see i suppose on the recreational side it's not something that i really get into it's not something that i focused on but what i do think is we do need to have a informed an educated, a balanced, um, a mature debate on recreational cannabis and on its position in society. I think for too long we have closed our eyes. We have just looked at it as being an illegal activity. That hasn't really helped. We can see the war on drugs globally. That's not succeeding. We can see the benefits of plant medicine all across the globe and for you know millennia. We have extremities on both sides and the extreme voices are the ones that are being heard where the balanced voices aren't. Does cannabis and recreation cannabis kind of cause psychosis? Yes, it can. Is there different strengths? Like there's some really, really strong strains being grown out at. I know guys who would have been cannabis users years and years ago, and they were telling me that if they had some of the stuff now, it would just blow their minds. You know, you have to be very, very careful with that. But uh, I do think that the time for that debate is now. I think we are lagging behind. Yeah, that's brilliant. I just was curious when you were talking there about medicinal cannabis, what Mm. would be some of the conditions it's used for beyond um, Alzheimer's? When you look at some of the claims that are there, epilepsy is a huge one. We see Vera Toomey now with our daughter, you know, and Vera Toomey has been an amazing work to get the Cannabis Medical Access Programme invoked in Ireland. We can also see now that recently she got uh, the Dutch company Betterkin as part of that medical access programme. So the benefits that have been proven are in the likes of epilepsy. You see a lot of videos, and, and again, listen, these are just videos. You see people with the effects of MS, and then they take their cannabinoid medicines, and you know you can see shake stop and you can see them coming back to themselves definitely there's after being trials on anxieties on depression on neurodegenerative diseases and they're extremely positive there's more and more clinical trials going on throughout the world now and that is only a benefit where clinical trials have taken place 
are on chemotherapy patients. A lot of times with chemotherapy patients, there's appetite suppression. It seems that THC-derived medicines can increase their appetites, can decrease nausea and vomiting. Some of the other things then as well would be chronic pain. There have been a lot of tests and studies done on patients within those categories. The results are coming back, you know, excellent. And again, despite popular culture, the addiction for medicinal cannabis is not there. You know, the addiction on opiates certainly is and as well documented, but it's simply not the same for medicinal cannabis. Why isn't it the same if you don't mind me asking because it's not an addictive chemical okay. uh, you know what's addictive is the i suppose is the habit where with a synthetic chemical and an opiate there's an addictive property there's an addictive ingredient nicotine is an addictive ingredient that, that's kind of how people you know get caught up with smoking cannabis is the addiction to nicotine then you can get a reliance on the feeling that cannabis induces but the cannabis itself isn't addictive Okay. It's great to know that medical cannabis can help so many medical conditions, especially like ones that are so severe. And from your background, what can a CBD products help with? Again, without, you know, making any medicinal claims, which I can't do, I suppose the evidence in popular culture is that it helps alleviate stresses and anxieties. I know a lot of guys in sports would take to aid recovery and for an overall feeling of calmness and that. But as to medicinal benefits, I know some claims have been made that it does also help with epilepsy. It helps with seizures, reduces the severity. Again, I can't really speak on that because, you know, I haven't been involved in any clinical trials on that. And I suppose I haven't read enough papers to back that up. Like I said before, companies like GW Pharma, like Tilray in Canada, they have done the clinical trials. They can show that their products, whatever strain or combinations of strain, whatever extraction process, whatever purification processes have, have taken place, that the ingredients that they have put together certainly do help sufferers of MS and epilepsy. If there's actually so many great uses to cannabis and uh, CBD, why do you think there hasn't been more countries that have actually legalized cannabis for medical use? The big difference here is if you're introducing a new pharmaceutical product to the market, you go through your trials, you have your scientists formulate your ingredients and your product, and then you go through a standardized set of trials, which is fine. But cannabis is coming from an illicit background. Cannabis is still an illicit product right across the world. So it's a much more complex playing field where, you know, scientists and where big pharma companies, they're at the starting line when they start to develop a new product. But cannabis companies are way behind the starting line because they have cultural biases. They have the image of being an illicit industry. They have all of that to combat. And then, you know, they have years and years and years of their product being deemed to be illegal and to be, uh, you know, harmful or causing great damage to society, which has been true. So the industry is coming from a starting point, which is way, way, way behind the starting line. There's some of the reasons. Cost is another. Simply speaking, if you want to have a cannabis-derived product, it's not just the pharmaceutical regulatory authorities, it's the authorities themselves, like, you know, government, like the police, like the legal profession. So they're all the hurdles you have to jump through and over before you even get to the starting line. That has definitely inhibited a lot of companies from starting to develop and a lot of countries from starting to uh, introduce their own cannabis access program or even better uh, legalizing cannabis for medicinal products. A lot of companies want to do it, but there's a lot of idiosyncrasies within each country. It's for the individual countries to get over that. If we take Europe, we're not just going to have a sweeping statement from the EU to say medicinal cannabis is now legal. It's up to each member country to do that themselves. Yeah, no, definitely. And just, I suppose, navigating from that point onwards, then, I mean, it's no secret that drugs are sold on the street and that, you know, people are selling cannabis and everything. 
like I've heard a lot of stories of people selling cannabis or something and they're like bulking it up with harmful stuff to make them have more to sell basically um, and then other things as well that are dangerous. So I suppose, do you think if like we legalise cannabis for recreational use, that that would reduce some of the dangers of selling on the streets? It's a very complex question. And, you know, I suppose the answer is just as complex and it kind of, you know, reverts back to what we spoke about earlier as having an open debate, an educated and informed, an adult conversation around this. Again, if you look at Portugal, if you look at Canada, if you look at the US, it certainly reduces the illicit trade. Mm. If we take cannabis in Canada, Canada, recreation cannabis in Canada that has been legal now for the last number of years, 40% of recreational cannabis products that are sold in Canada still come from illicit sources. And that's about 8 billion Canadian dollars per year. And the reasons behind that are people who have been on the cannabis scene for a long number of years, they have their locals. Unfortunately, you know, it seems that when big companies get hold of recreation cannabis production, that a lot of aficionados, they basically think that the product is rubbish because it may not have the THC level, it may not have the strain that they like and that they're used to. Because it was legalized in Canada, it hasn't fully eradicated the illicit side of the industry. But, you know, can it help? Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, it certainly does help. In my opinion, if you can get a product that you know where it came from, you know who produced it, you know that it's safe, that's definitely beneficial. I'm taking it from the pharmaceutical standpoint where quality is at the core, patient care is at our core. We develop quality management systems for companies who want to get into this space. And for me, for this whole industry to be truly mainstream is true quality and to ensure that the product is replicable, that, you know, every dose that you get is the same as the previous and it's going to be the same as the next, that the systems are in place. And that's really how this industry is going to not just survive, but thrive into the future. I think it needs to happen. I think, uh, you know, the plant medicine itself warrants that. It deserves that. I really think that we need more public opinion behind this and for people to push harder and harder and harder for, unfortunately, what's being deemed, you know, an alternative medicine to help sufferers across the globe. To me, the alternative medicine are, you know, synthetic chemical-based medicines. They're the alternative medicines, whereas, you know, cannabis is our natural medicine. So I think we need to get back to that. I think that plant medicine needs to stop being advertised as alternative. It's just like, you know, you go into the supermarket and you see organic carrots and, you know, people are fawning over organic carrots. You know, it baffles me because it's a carrot, you know, it should be organic. You know, so we really need to get back in harmony with nature. I think we're a long way away from it as a society. That's where I'd love to see this going. It's brilliant, Derek. You're literally describing my mother with the organic carrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pet hate of mine. Organic carrots, organic potatoes. Yeah, they should be. She's organic everything. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I hope she's nice and healthy because of it. Oh, she is. She's vegan and all that, you know, yourself. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> well, thanks Excellent. so much for coming on, Derek. Um, oh, pleasure all mine. It's been thank great you. talking to you and picking your brain on this and everything. Yeah, thank you, Derek. That was a very interesting and insightful discussion. Look, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for reaching out. Brilliant. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Bye. And thank you to our listeners and everyone who tuned in to today's episode. We hope to see you guys next time. Bye.